on your way out today. Uh, our ushers, if y'all could have two of you, please, at the doors. Um, sec- our 2 Corinthians 9-8 offering for what you just saw. And you know, somebody said, well, you know, there will be enough there. We can only give what you give. But we're believing the Lord that surely if we had enough to give it to the bank, there would be enough to give it, correct, to other people. So plan on this. First Sunday of every month and on your way out, you just have to write in the bottom left corner of your check, 9-8, and uh, to make it to Christ Chapel. And know this, that every dime of that money goes outside of these walls to show the love of God to someone else, uh, especially those that minister his word and grace. Stand with me this morning, if you will, and turn in your Bibles. Let's just turn to the first one, and then we'll be on the screens for the other two. Mark 16, 15 and 16. Our mission statement is clear. You hear it all the time, but in all these years, I've never preached on it and the responsibility to it. We understand our church ministry statement, our mission statement, but I want to apply it in an individual way today because we are nothing more than a collection of all the individual lives that live outside of these walls. And Jesus said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, articulate the gospel, proclaim the gospel, share the gospel, discuss the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that don't mean you preach it to a dog or a cat necessarily. It means to all mankind. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 2 Corinthians 5 should be on your screens. You're on the screen here. And all things are of the God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. How that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not reckoning to them their offenses, and putting in us the word, and he's put in us the word of that reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. God, as it were, beseeching by us, we entreat others for Christ. Be reconciled to God. That's our message. And then Romans 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or someone that will tell them the gospel? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We live in an age where... We don't fear the Lord, professing Christianity. We don't fear the Lord. Um, We're biblically illiterate. And we have forsaken the gospel of Jesus Christ and wonder why we are anemic and powerless without God's favor on our life and local assemblies. Fear of the Lord. And the understanding of mankind's position without Christ. Oh, listen, we worship we just don't evangelize. We, wor- we worship, we worship, we have conferences on worship. We don't pack places out, 30, 40, 50,000. We just don't share the gospel with anyone. We study the scriptures, we just don't share the gospel. 
We sanctify ourselves from the world and we consecrate ourselves unto God and we cultivate a prayer life and we even journal. We just don't share the gospel. We love people, we listen to them, we serve them, we console them, we invite them, we include them, we give to them, we offer friendship, and we even share our testimony. We just don't share the gospel. We believe and expect blessings from heaven and ignore the responsibilities that follow salvation. How can we know what we know, have what we have, believe what we believe, and not share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others? We stopped growing at the last place we told God no. Are you sharing the gospel? Not telling them about Christ Chapel or your church. Are you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Before you're seated, I give you this thought. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. I'll make you a fisher of men. Wouldn't that imply that if I didn't fish for people, I might not be following him? You ready to go into 2020? We say 2024, we're ready for it. Are you ready to go into it looking at a full-length mirror and humbling yourself and making the changes? I love what Pastor Charles said. We are the catalyst. I carry the good news, the gospel, and the story that can change someone's life in a moment. So, Lord, we stand before those eyes of fire that we're just naked before you. And you know the truth. It is possible to be good and not be obedient, not be faithful, to be clean and not be a preacher of the gospel. We can't hide behind what we do for a living. This is our life calling to go into the world and share the gospel. And I don't want to stand before you by myself. I want them to come around and say, John Wood told me the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful if I help put tires on their car, but if I didn't share the gospel. Let this message go in deep, Lord. Let it be an irritant to the lukewarm, let it be an encouragement to those that are active and faithful, and help us, O oh Lord, not to just have a mission statement on our webpage, but have it written on the walls of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And as you're seated, you can turn to your neighbor and tell them, sit down, turbulent weather just ahead. Yes, sir. By God's grace, I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, what of the mission, what of the lost? What of the mission, what of the lost? The mission, win the lost. It has to be centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message that Jesus Christ came as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Opening the way for God to give us eternal life by grace through faith. In reality, the substitution for us. This gospel is the proclamation. And in a minute I'll explain our position with God before. But this gospel is the articulation that brings people into an awareness that they were born into sin. And their sin has separated them from God. And the soul that sinneth it shall die. The good news is bad news before it's good news. And the reason we have 
churches filled with people that are not born again. They are not born again. Is because they've never responded to the gospel. They came and modified their behavior. That is not new life. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. It's a divine gospel. It originates with God. It's empowered by God. It's sustained by God and culminates in God's forgiveness. It's a simple gospel. It's so simple that a child can get it. It's so simple that one with limited understanding can get it. That we were born in sin. We were, when you hear somebody say, I was born that way. What they, means is, what they mean is I was born with a passion, a leaning, a, 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 an ease of sinfulness because I was a sinner. My mother was a sinner. My father was a sinner. And I was born into sin. And that sin has separated them from God. They are dead in their trespasses and sin. And there's nothing they can do to be well. There's nothing they can do to be right with God. They, see, we preach a gospel and we say, ask Jesus into your heart. No. Repent and believe the gospel. There's nothing I can do. I am a sinner I, the, the evidence, see, I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. Pecan trees have pecans or pecans, wherever you're from. Apple trees have apples. Orange trees have oranges. And, and when we share the gospel with someone, we convince them of their sin. We group ourselves and share our sins beside them. So if you're dead in trespasses and sin, what can a dead man do to help himself? Nothing. You're hopeless. You're helpless and you read the sins of the flesh. And it says, he that practices these things, the wrath of God abides on him. And you share their condition. See, there has to be an awareness of the condition before you can apply the gospel remedy. And they say, well, what, what can I do? Well, let me tell you what God did. Coming in the form of a, a virgin-born man. Christ became flesh and came into the world and lived a sinless life and died in our place for our sins that we might be reconciled to God. That's what he meant by I am the way. I'm the way to God. I'm the truth. I'm the truth of God. And I am the life. I'm the life of God. What does a dead man need? Life. And it's the sharing that since you can't do anything, your soul knows that you're separated from God and you cry out to God. And then one of my favorite words in the Bible, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am not saying this in a boast because I fail and fall short more than I'd like to admit. It's a constant discouragement to me of the weaknesses and immaturities in my flesh. But I share the gospel. And one of the, some of the greatest joys in my life are those that it, over time and instantaneously I watch the power of God and illumination and the working of the Holy Spirit on the soul of man. Sometimes it'll take years, sometimes in a moment. And I say, so what are we going to do about it? Can, can I get saved right now? I say, yeah, yeah. As long as you understand that you have to come his way. Well, where are you, where's church? You don't need, it's not a matter of coming to my church. Listen very carefully. You don't need me. You don't need a priest. You don't need a bishop, a pope, a cardinal. You don't need 
church membership. What you need is the gospel. And respond to the gospel and say, I am guilty, but you provided a Savior for me. Will you substitute Jesus in my place? And that person that believes God's verdict of them and believes his provision for them is transferred from death to life, from darkness to light. It's a scandal. It really is. It's scandalous. So I bowed my head July 6, 1986, after living a perverted, perverted pornographic life, perversion, drunkenness, and in, in just a few moments' time, I went from filthy to clean. How did that happen? Exchange. My, he substituted his clothing for my nakedness. He gave me help for my sickness. He gave me light for my darkness. He gave me hope for my hopelessness. Everything he is, he exchanged for what I was. That's the gospel. And we're telling them about church membership and you need to do this and you need some preacher to wave over you or Simonize you or run a candle. To, you know, I came down front and I shook John's hand. You might as well shake a donkey's tail. It don't help you at all. What you need is to acknowledge the gospel and repent. And whosoever, whether you're in the club, the restroom, the airplane, in your car, by yourself, sober or drunk, I believe that you are who you say you are, and I believe I am who, I, who you say I am, and I am in need of a Savior. Will you rescue me from my sin? And everyone that calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a universal gospel. White, black, red, yellow, short, tall, pretty, ugly, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Don't modify the gospel. Y'all, I'm becoming the old preacher. I don't want to be, and you know, the get off my grass guy. You know, I got to, I got to be, <laughs> I got to be relevant. You know, so I'm gonna rip all my jeans up. I'm 61, so I'm gonna start at my thigh, and I'm gonna rip all my jeans up down to my shoes, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna do something with my hair. I don't know. It might, I might. By the way, just, just, just a marketing idea. Since less than one percent of all men can fit in modern fit clothes, just quit. Yeah, modern fit means it don't fit. That's what that means. But anyway, we've got to we listen. Oh, our church, we we got to be relative. I, I don't. How are we going to relate? How you know? Uh, so pastors got to get cool. You don't think I ain't heard this for twenty five years? The stage has to get younger. We've got to get more relevant. Uh, let's start a, a smoke bomb over here, and I want to run lasers through. Listen, I can, don't get me started. You know why? Because the gospel can't do it. That's, what, that's the core of it. I got to be, I got to relate to them where they're at. No, no, no. You don't modify nothing. You share the gospel in its simplicity. And they'll tell the story. You know, the guy that shared the gospel with me, I didn't have one thing in common with him. But the truth set me completely free. Now, you don't have to go out of your way not to fit in. But being relative, I, Jesus sits the 12 down and guys, listen, you're going to go into a dark world and it's demonic and it's, 
if you can just be cool. Y'all got to help Andrew. He's, he's struggling here. He's, he's still wearing wallabies. Do you see how ridiculous that sounds? Do you not realize that they are shaping a generation of preachers that think the key to their ministry is relatability instead of the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you understand that? It's a universal gospel. It's a perfect gospel. It's a finished gospel. In its plan, fulfillment of types and prophecy, uh, the thousands of fulfillments of scriptures, and the fact that the gospel is accepted by God. There's only one way to salvation. That's the one that God originated. And that's the one that God accepts. If he... If the blood of Jesus is applied to the doorpost of your life, when you shut that door and God passes over in his wrath, he will pass over you. It's that gospel. It's not church attendance. It's not good works. It's I bring, and, and I, I know this because I, I'm seeing it so much more clearer in this last hour. Our churches are filled with people that aren't saved. I'm telling you, they're not saved. They're not born again. They don't have resurrection life inside of them. They have modified their life instead of having it reborn through the gospel. That's why you can't alter the gospel. You can't dilute it. You can't modify it. It can't be made less or more. Man simply cannot be a part of it. Now, I had someone recently call me and tell me that they'd brought a relative and they were very offended at how clearly I articulated the gospel because they are part of a religion that um, it, it offended them the way it came across. And then I get a letter about a month later and they said, I just want to thank you because it's the first time in my life I've ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm starting to see who I am and I'm starting to see who God is and this Bible is alive and they're seeing for the first time so listen to me if your salvation is tethered to anything you or man does it is a false gospel gotta get the priest in last rites I don't need no priest I got a high priest and he presented his own blood at the mercy seat. And my sins are gone. You don't need to call nobody if you hear I'm in a wreck. Make sure John's okay. I'm good. How can you say that? Because my high priest said, it is finished. So, yes. So this gospel, this perfect gospel, if you add to it, if you modify who Jesus is, if he's different than the biblical account of Jesus, then he's not the perfect spotless lamb. Now, listen, if you bring a pastor, put group me in with all of them. You bring a pastor or a priest in, and he's got to do something with the sacrifice. We've got to pray to dead saints. We have to, uh, we have, to uh, have a preacher change the bread into the body of Christ. Anytime man touches it understand this man's hands are defiled and if I touch to alter or to help the gospel 
it's now unacceptable to God. The lamb is tainted. The lamb has to be perfect, spotless. Jesus, born of a virgin, spotless. And the reason he was born of a virgin is because we get our blood from our father. And Jesus did not have a sinful earthly father to pass that sin genome down him. He was born pure. He lived pure. And he died pure. So now that we have this lamb, we're going to change it or pollute it with doctrines of men that says the lamb plus something else or the lamb minus something else. As long as, as, as you involve, uh, if, if anything else is added to it, it corrupts that which God accepts. He accepted Jesus because he sent Jesus. That was the plan all along. So, Pastor John, what's the role you have? What's the role of the church? God gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the reminding, the edification, the building up, the exhortation, the correction, to keep you sober in your life with God and to turn the diamond of Jesus Christ to where you keep catching glimpses of how unimaginably perfect He is. And to keep your heart aglow. This gospel is a precise gospel. I don't care what Oprah said. I don't like her at all. I don't care. Listen, another thing, benefit by getting old. You just don't care. You don't care what people think. I'm just so shocked you'd say that about Oprah. Get over it. She's going to stand on television and tell you to millions of people professing herself to be a Christian and going to say, well, I just can't believe that there's only one way to God. You are my enemy. Well, who are you to say that? I'm angry that she'll damn several million innocent people who follow her because she gave cars to people. And got preachers on the stage where they're not saying nothing. Why don't they say, ah, Oprah, that's a lie. Because there is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is an exclusive gospel. It is an unchanging gospel. It is a perfect gospel. It is a supernatural gospel. It's a powerful gospel. Nobody it can't reach. No one it can't free. No one it can't reconcile. No one it can't redeem, renew, or restore. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, and he makes all things new. And it's proven. You didn't know it, but on your row, there's some bad characters. You think I'm kidding. Those that abuse themselves and others. Fornicators, adulterers, and the worst among us, the self-righteous. But we are washed. We were that. But we are washed. And the power of the gospel is that it meets us so head on that if we respond to it, it thoroughly changes us. But if you do a gospel mixed with man's, well, you got to ride a bicycle for two years. I know the seats aren't real comfortable, but you'll be all right. Do this for two years, and then you've got to make sure you rub these beads and light this candle. And, and then we're going to pray to dead folk. I'm like, come, come on. Listen to ourselves. Anything that you add to the gospel dilutes, 
or pollutes it. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, I come. Do you share the gospel? Do you confront your family and friends in love and say, I love you so much? Do you, have you been born again? John, you always preach about being born again. You always talk about being born again. Why, why do you keep doing that? Because you must be born again. Well, no, I, I don't do that. How can you follow Jesus and not do what he did? Now, he wasn't preaching his death, burial, and resurrection. He was living it. But he told his disciples, he said, now listen, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. But open your mouth and tell people the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then when they start getting saved, baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Do you understand we're going to get to heaven? And I was saying a moment ago, one of the things that I know I've done, and there are going to be people that are going to be accredited to me. And say, you know, not that we like John all that much. <laughs> Our church loves Kelly. They like me, but they love Kelly, you know. And, and John, you know, John, he kind of talks real straight. And then someone will say, he led me to Jesus Christ. I said, tell him again. <laughs> what would you do? I shared the gospel with them. I asked them, were they saved? I told them they weren't You told people they weren't saved. Yes. I go to so-and-so church. I, I believe. And I said, well, the devil believes. If you interview the devil, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes. He's whipped me several times. Yes, I believe in him. Do you believe he's the son of God? Yes. Is he saved? No. Salvation comes when a person hears the news of their position and they receive the verdict and they call upon the Lord and have a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in Jesus Christ as their only hope. Then life is given to them. Anything short of that is religion. Now, you can get mad with me. You can be upset with me. All I can say is take a number. Okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. Or you can write Amy at Amy at Christ Chapel Macon. <laughs> But Jesus said, many. Now, I'm not trying to insult you. I want you to say the word many. Do you think God knows what many is? Unbelievable numeric amount. He said, many are going to say to me, God, I cast out demons in your name. How many of your unbelieving friends think that they or they walk around casting demons out of people. Zero. I do many mighty wonderful works in your name. How many of your unbelieving friends say, I spend my lifetime, energy, and resources doing works for the name of Jesus Christ? None. God said, many are going to stand in front of me and say, I did many mighty wonderful works in your name. And Jesus says, I don't know who you are. 
where, where is that being preached? Why would he say that? Because they weren't saved. They heard about the things of God and never responded to the gospel of God. God is kind, so if I'm kind, I'm like God. Well, kind of. But are you born again? Number two, very quickly. It's only realized, winning the lost is only realized by the preaching of this said gospel. Through the preaching, the articulation, the sharing of the gospel, nothing more, nothing less. It's, it's the only way for someone to come to Christ. I am so fed up with the results of these cowardly pastors and Christians who have substituted kindness for the gospel. Do you, well, Pastor John, that's just ridiculous. They go to hell over those misunderstandings. So we're going to be a church, we're going to set up a tent outside, and we're going to hand water as they drive by. Praise the Lord. That just saved them $2 at Quick Trip. That didn't do any. Now, is, there, is that wrong? No. But in our minds, we're sharing Jesus. No, you shared Nestle water or whatever kind of water you had, Sam's water. Do you understand? And I, I'm, I'm going to extremes to let you see how we substitute and have a feeling. Oh, our, we had a church presence there. Our church had a presence there. And the benefit of that was, so people will know us. And the benefit to the lost is, say it with me, nothing. Thank you for those two that joined me. It's the only way that someone can come to Christ. Not relating, not acts of kindness, service, acceptance, or love. Loving them does not save them. The gospel saves them. The articulation of the gospel Will you put on the screen for me? I learned this when I was eight or nine years old. And by the way, I was born again when I was a little boy. And then through the sickness and death of my dad, I had nothing to do with the Lord from 11 to 24. But I knew this at eight years old. I remember leading boys to Jesus in first grade in the lunchroom by going down the Roman road. And I'd come home and tell my daddy, I want another one. I want another one. What can a six-year-old say? He can share the gospel. <laughs> the power is not in the vessel. The power is in the message. We have overemphasized our importance. God can use a donkey to, to speak truth. Get over yourself and share the gospel. If y'all don't do nothing else, you're going to go home and say, preach the gospel. God can just hear it in your head. Share the gospel. All right. In, now, there's many, many more verses. These are not exclusive, but this is my general go-to, and then I start fielding questions. And next week, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, if the Lord will allow, I'm going to talk about and ask, let you ask questions about obstacles that you have when you're sharing the gospel with other people. All right, Romans 3, 10. I start with this. When I, I, I'll ask him permission, you know, can, can I just talk to you about your soul? Because you know I love you. You're my friend. Yes. How are you with God? How, how, well, I'm all right. You know, I'm just, no, how do you come up with that? How do you? Well, I try to do the best I can. C could I just share the gospel with you just based on our friendship? And you can stop me at any time. 
you don't have to be mean or intrusive. They say, my friends always say, sure. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one, which means none of us have a right standing with God. Not you, not me, not my pastor, not your mama. I know your mama ain't never done wrong, or grandma, but your grandma. None righteous. So group the whole world together. Now, this is an oversimplification, but I start with that. So do you understand? And I let them read it to me. I said, just read this verse to me. There's something about them reading it. There is none righteous, no, not one. So if God said that about you, is it possible that you're not righteous? Okay. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the evidence. That's how we know we're sinners because we sin. And we're short of God's righteousness and his glory. Romans 5.8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I share how Christ came in the form of, through a virgin as the spotless lamb and died for us. God didn't wait for us to get it right. See, and you, you ask him, you ever go fishing? Yeah. You don't clean a fish before you catch it, do you? No, you catch the fish and then clean it. Well, I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to turn. Dead men can't do right. Dead people can't get it right. For us, you need to understand that it's God that made the first move. Before the earth was laid, he prepared and give me just a quick second, I know I'm covering a lot. Just, but if I make them with free moral agency, with a free will, they'll eventually fail. And if they fail, they're going to need someone to purchase them back. And in the triunion of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they decided that Jesus the Son would be the one to do that. And purchase them back to God. So that instead of having robots that worship the Lord with no option... He planned in advance to bring them back to God through this. But God commended his love towards you. And that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And then I look him in the face and said, did you know he loves you right where you are today? But he loves you too much to leave you like that. And this life that he loves you in is death. His love hasn't saved you yet. But the good news is his love sent his son to save you. Okay, look at Romans 6.23. I tell him the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'll ask him, I'll say, where do you work? He said, I'll work down here at Walmart. Great, great. Can you imagine working your two weeks and then not give you a check? If you ask your witness into a country guy, Billy Bob said, yeah, I'll, I'll pay him a visit. Well, do I come down and see him? No, they're not going to pay you. Well, wh wh why do you have an expectation of payment? Because I earned it. Them's my wages. The Bible said the wages of your sin is death. Now watch. Do you know how I can prove that you're a sinner? Look at your pictures when you were 11. Look at your pictures when you are in your 20s. Look at your pictures in your 40s. It looks to me like you're dying. We're dying. The wages of our sin. That's one of the graces God gives you is the opportunity to see yourself die slowly so it can sober you. And I tell them the wages of your sin is death. Physical death and spiritual death. But the gift of God. See, God steps right on top of the death and says, I have something for that. But you can't help me. I don't need you to modify anything. I need you to believe. Believe the gospel.
The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's at that time when I'm bringing them along. If our musician would come, please. Um, when I'm bringing them along, I said, sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? And they go, yeah. And I said, you know, I love you. If you reject this gospel, you'll be damned. Well, I'm not your judge. See, you know me. Who, who am I to judge you? I'm as guilty as you are. And let's just say this Bible is true. If this Bible is true, how can I love you and not tell you the gospel? But you can, you can accept it. I can't tell you how many in 30 years have told me. They said, can I do it right now? That's been the most common. I said, yeah, but only if you believe. Well, what else I got to do? I said, nothing. Don't touch the lamp. Just come before him and say, I believe and I repent of my sins. Forgive me, O God. And, I, and then I say, read this to me. And thou shalt be saved. I want to take just a little bit extra time this morning, maybe five or eight minutes longer than normal because this is very important. So why are we so silent? Why do we do everything else so well and so often and so thoroughly and act like we don't know that we're not preaching the gospel to other people? Because we feel we're aware of our biblical ignorance. We feel like they'll ask us a question. Watch this. They'll ask us a question that we don't have an answer for because we don't study the scriptures. And instead of looking foolish, we just don't say nothing. Can I go the last 5%? So we'll let them go to hell just as long as we don't look stupid. Then I need to study it so that I can answer and give a reason. Study to show myself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, that I can give a reason for the hope within me. And if they ask a question, you know what, that's a good question, and I don't know. But I know that me and you are sinners. Let's get back to this. Me and you both sinners. And the wages of sin is death, and the soul that sinneth it shall die. What of this? Why are we so quiet? Because we have adopted a false gospel that allows us to live for pleasure and self, and we don't think about them. Because of fear. Fear of embarrassment, fear of failure, fear of mockery, rejection, or labeling. The truth is, the person that's a believer, that's born again, that does not share the gospel, loves themselves preeminently. I don't, I maybe watched 30 minutes in my life of Penn and Teller. You ever watch them? Who's the big guy? You, you always got a big one and a skinny one in all the shows. I don't know why this. Who's the big guy? Penn, have you heard him give his thing about the gospel? And I, I, I'm paraphrasing. He says, I, I, I'm an atheist. But if I believed what you said you believed, I would crawl over glass to get to my friends and share with them. This, this Christ that died for their sins. He goes, what's wrong with the church? Well, they don't believe it. 
they don't believe the hell part and they don't believe their accountability part. We're going to stand before God for the opportunities he gave us that he put us in front of someone, not so we could shine, but so Jesus could shine. Shining the light of the glorious gospel unto them that they might be saved. The God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. We don't believe in hell. And we most assuredly don't believe in the gospel. First Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20 says, What is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of rejoicing? Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and our joy. It is a wonderful thing. And listen, please don't feel, I pray, don't feel beat up today. I'm trying to provoke you. Say, good job, because I'm provoked. By the I'm trying to provoke you unto good works. You're doing a good job on a lot of secondary things. But how can I be a believer and not share the gospel? Expect me to do it on Sunday. When I don't know them. I don't have the inroad. I don't have the time. I don't have the history. It's so easy. That's the mystery. That's the thing I guess the Lord wanted me to say that because it's not in my notes. It's just so easy. If you ever taste how easy it is to win someone. It really is. I had one guy I shared the gospel with. And he, he wrote me. I saw it as soon as I got home. He said, I didn't pray with you in the office, but, but I want you to know I got to my car and before I even cranked it up, I asked God to forgive me of my sins. And I, I feel different. I think he saved me. <laughs> Happens all the time. And that, why isn't that a normal thing? This is what helps preachers when they close this. Okay, so. Oh, 30 years ago, I'm preaching in Cordell. I'm not going to do Al Robbins over here in the shadows. I thought I'd tell you all. Because I know he'll watch this. I'm preaching in Cordell Assembly of God. There might be 20 people there, 25 people. And some of you have heard this before, but it's the perfect fitting for this. My life changed on this day. My life changed on this day. I saw it for what it was. And a family walked in. You know how you just know they all look similar enough it's not just dress you know all of them's head shaped same way or walk got the same gait you just knew their family you know so uh, they walk in a little after service and I was preaching my lungs out I didn't teach much I was just just preaching hard as I could sweating everywhere and I preached and prayed for everybody and got done and the older statesman come down and I'm guessing he was in his 80s you know when you're in your 30s it, Everybody looks 70 and 80, and when you're 60s, you go, God, I, they weren't that old back then. But he come down, and he took his hat off, and he walked up to me, and he said, it still kills me. He said, are, are, are you John Wood? And I'm thinking, so here's the carnal, you know, 30-year-old guy just starting to preach. You, know, you didn't see my name on the marquee. That, that's, isn't that horrible? That's like first thoughts, you know, John Wood's out there. Welcome, Evangelist John. 
you don't say it because we're good Pharisees. You just think it, you know. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir, I am. He goes, would, would you happen to be the son of Roger Wood? And I said, oh, yes, sir, that was my daddy. He goes, oh, we just took the chance. We're from out of town. I think it was America's. And he said, and we just wanted to take the chance and meet the son of the man that led every one of us to Jesus Christ. So here I am, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, and then a train of revelation hits me and saying, this is what I've called you to do. The other is good, and it's important. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And one by one, they told me the story and hugged my neck. I was wrecked crying crying and then they left they left me wrecked on the front row you know good to see you I was just horrible but I was awakened can I give you the last two percent so my dad pastored in his heyday two or three hundred people you know we had twelve hundred people here at one time churches have been started I don't want to stand around him in heaven though when they come around and say, you led me to Jesus. It was you. You were the, you, you were the one. You're the one that prayed. You're, you're the one. Win the lost. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it changed for me that day. I don't want to be known by my preaching. I want to be known by the people that are my crown of rejoicing. How active are you? How diligent are you? And how successful are you in the preaching of the gospel? Just make the change. Just open your mouth and see what God can do with a glorious gospel. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I can hear it. I can hear it in my my spirit oh god help me i i can hear it oh god forgive me <laughs> oh god i have been quiet if you can use anything oh lord use me i'll try i'll fumble through it I just want to preach the gospel for your sake. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, O oh Lord. I can hear this in my heart this morning. I've been a part of this church 10 or 15 years, and I don't even do the first line of the mission statement. Win the lost. Pick me, Jesus. Give me one more chance. And when it comes time, I'll, I'll stumble and bumble through it. And I'll see your glory. Use me, I pray, O oh Lord. I've got a song that encapsulates this for us. Uh, kind of explains this gospel. And then I'm going to ask Amy if she would come up and dismiss for us. Guys, would you play that song for me about the gospel?
restless generation. We're turning over every stone, hoping to find salvation in a world that's left us cold. Can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love. There's only one way to the Father, and He's calling out to us. To the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home. To the skeptic, it might sound crazy to believe in a God who loves. In a world where our hearts are breaking and we're lost in. It's the good news for us all. It's greater than religion. It's the power of the cross. So can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love. There's only one way to the Father, and He's calling out to us. To the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home.
Pastor John, while you were preaching to your church about sharing the gospel, you preached it to me. I know I'm a sinner. And I've made efforts at trying to turn my life around, but that really doesn't work. Do you think heaven has enough grace for me, John? Oh, absolutely. Christ died for you. John, I believe that. And I am discarding every other attempt in my past to be saved, to receive the free gift of grace. If that's you, I just want, I won't embarrass you, I promise. Just slip your hand up and say, John, I'm praying today. God bless you. He sees you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, church family, look at me. Four. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know all that? I don't. Heaven's going to sort all that out. I did what I was supposed to do. You see? You ready to go win the lost? My granddaddy used to say, boy, you can't catch no fish if your pole ain't in the water. I'd be standing there like this with my pole out of the water. Y'all stand with me. Y'all welcome our women's, pa- women's pastor, if you will. She's going to dismiss us today. And stand down here. Can you see me okay? He's like, not at all. <laughs> all right, I'll go up. No, they're like, no, we really can't. Really, no. Hey, short people problems all the time, right? You know, one of the things that I was thinking of is it's, it is so easy for us in our everyday life to get so busy in the monotony of everything that we do that we miss the most important thing. Pastor John talked about loving Well, it's the gospel that makes that change. Caring for, calling. We have to be obedient in those times to step forward. And he gives us those opportunities. So, Father, Lord, as we leave today, God, the words that have been spoken, Father, may they resonate within us. Lord, may we not miss the things that you have called us to, God, to share your gospel, to share the love of Jesus with our brothers and sisters. God, don't let us miss an opportunity. Don't let us walk away from the greatest gift of sharing who you are with our friends, with our neighbors, at the grocery store. God, give us those opportunities and help us to be obedient in that moment. And Lord, if we miss it, God, you are so gracious to us. Give us another opportunity. Let us not get so caught up in the things that Pastor John talked about, about how we, we get upset or we get, we're afraid of what they may say. Lord, I pray that we walk in clarity today when we leave this building. God, that you would give us and you would orchestrate every step beyond. Give us those opportunities. Help us to, to win the lost. In Jesus' name, and thank you for a new year. In Jesus' name, amen.